It may take folks another couple of minutes to get back, but while that's happening and we're sitting here, let me uh, give you a quick update. Yesterday we had our bridge retreat uh, and it went wonderfully, or the last two days actually went wonderfully. We had a total of around 15 guests that were a part of Bridge uh, and went through the retreat yesterday. Just a delight to uh, be there and be a part of it. So for all of you who have been praying and all of you engaged in one way or another, we praise God and we thank God for the fruit. Keep on praying uh, that God will bless this ministry. And I know Saturate happened yesterday as well. I don't know, uh, Bill, any number on how many houses home were? Uh, a bunch of them. Okay, just take, there, there were a bunch of houses. About 600 houses uh, received a door hanger yesterday with information uh, about the church, but even more so with clear gospel presentation uh, offering them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. I uh, want to just encourage you as we continue to move forward as a church, uh, good things are happening uh, in Risen Hope Church here in this new location. The pause button that I referenced a couple of weeks ago has now been, uh, I don't know what the right word is, unpaused, I guess. Uh, we're no longer on pause. We are moving forward as a church and in that, we continue to need people who are willing to serve. Uh, Promise Kingdom is up and running, but it can use more volunteers. If you are a parent with a child in Promise Kingdom, we kind of expect you to help out and take part in the process of providing that ministry. But even if you're not a parent and you just want to serve uh, the families in this church and serve the entire congregation by helping in that way, please do that. Let Steve and Joanne Burak know. Uh, we need uh, at least four more volunteers to really establish our current structure well and consistently and to build it from there even more. So uh, if you're wondering, how am I actually serving in the church? How am I actually blessing others in the church? Uh, we want to make sure you're, you're giving, getting an answer for that. Uh, there are many things that need to be done, and we want to invite your participation. Amen? Amen. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, as we continue uh, in the early stages of our study of this wonderful book, of Scripture. Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse 3 down through verse 12, although our message is going to focus on verses 9 through 12. But in Colossians 1 in verse 3, we read, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you 
since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a fellow minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And now the text that we will preach on this morning. This is one sentence. One sentence, verses 9 through 12. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Lord, please bless Your Word to our hearts. As I say, verses 9 through 12 are but one sentence, and I think it would serve us as we begin to have a bit of a brief overview of the sentence, just to make sure that we're putting the pieces of this sentence together properly. So let us notice, first of all, Paul's commitment to prayer. Verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. From, from the day he heard of their faith, their love, their hope, he never stopped praying for them. This is earnest, persistent, prevailing prayer. Brothers and sisters, there's a lesson here for us. Pray for people. Pray for people, first of all, that they will be saved by the grace and power of God. And then keep on praying for them like Paul did when they get saved by faith in Jesus. Continue to pray for them. Perhaps even intensify your prayers for them and pray without ceasing. Now, if you want to learn how to pray, take a look secondly at Paul's request in prayer. Verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So here is Paul's prayer request, very different from the laundry list type prayer requests that so often happen in prayer circles. This is, this is a different kind of prayer, right? This is the prayer from which we need to learn. He says, I ask, I am asking God that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, becoming a believer, as these Colossians had, did not automatically and instantaneously fix everything in their lives. 
No, they, they and we need to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And filled with the knowledge of God's will that it translates into wisdom and understanding. Once, once people have come to faith through the Word of Truth, through the Gospel, they then need to study and learn and be filled with God's Word and His will so that they can become wise, so that they can become understanding in life. Have you ever known anyone who was filled with knowledge but no wisdom? They, they knew a lot of stuff, but they just didn't get it. Uh, you ever been that person? <laughs> Paul says it's not enough just that they be filled with knowledge, but that they be filled with wisdom. How many of you have an everyday sense of need for wisdom? For wisdom. Paul, Paul prayed earnestly, without ceasing, that these believers would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. And, and friends, I should say this, I need to say this, that filling of the knowledge of the will of God does not happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen magically. It happens through study and commitment to the Word of God. It's the only way to be filled with the knowledge of His will is to study His Word. So Paul prays this prayer that they would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God and notice his goal. Beginning in verse 9 again. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to, or so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to Him. I know no better or higher description of what ought to be our goal in life than this. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Oh, you want to be ambitious? You want to be going after what really matters and what really counts in life? Then pray toward and live toward this, that you, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. This doesn't, doesn't mean that we're going to never sin again or always, every second and every moment and every minute, be pleasing to God. It doesn't mean that we're going to be living in such a way that we earn or merit God's love or His favor. No. But it is talking about becoming spiritually wise and mature so that our lifestyle will please our Lord. So that when our Lord looks down upon us from heaven, He will smile. He will be delighted in us. Paul consistently prayed for them that they would know God and His will so well that they would live a God-pleasing life. Friends, I want you to know that your pastors pray for you 
consistently. We pray for you every week. We pray our way through our membership list. Um, we don't pray the whole list every week, uh, but we, we, from week to week, we do. And these are the type of prayers that we have. That God, that you would, that we all would be filled with the knowledge of God's will that we might walk in a way worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him. Paul seems here to anticipate a question from us. A question that leads us to take a deeper look into this text. We could ask the question like this, Paul, what, what does a walk or a lifestyle worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to Him, what does that look like? What is that, Paul? And Paul's answer comes in a series of participles, another grammar lesson, but the, 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 the closer you dig into a text, the more grammar really is significant to notice. Paul gives us a series of present active participles, I-N-G words. Did you notice it as we read through the text? The I-N-G words. He is praying that having been filled with the knowledge of God, we would be bearing fruit, increasing in knowledge, being strengthened, and giving thanks. Notice the I-N-G words. This is the kind of life that is pleasing to the Lord. This is the kind of life that is worthy of the Lord. We are bearing fruit. We are increasing in the knowledge of God. We are being strengthened and we are giving thanks. Let's, let's notice those, each one here today. And for those that are unfamiliar with the significance of ING words, basically it's this. It describes an action that is going on and is ongoing. It is going on and it is ongoing. Paul here gives to us four things that will be going on and will be ongoing in the life of a healthy Christian. In a life that is worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to Him, here are the four things. Number one, we will be bearing fruit in every good work. Verse 10, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. God, God intends for the word of truth. God intends for the gospel to have that kind of impact upon our life, that, that we will be bearing fruit. God's Word and God's truth and the Gospel. I, was, I looked around the house before I left this morning for an apple so that I could cut it up and take out an apple seed, but there are no apples in the house right at the moment, and so I couldn't do that. Uh, there were some peas, um, but I, I just didn't think I could carry one of those in my pocket uh, safely. So, so I, I, I don't have it with me, but just imagine that I have a, a, an apple seed in my hand. How many of you can see it? Some of you are saying, yes, it's not even there, folks. <laughs> you, you cannot see it. But in your imagination, 
Okay. How many of you can see it? It's really small. If I had a pea, it would be about a half of the size of a pea. But inside that apple seed is what? Thousands of apples. And thousands of apple trees inside of one seed. Take that seed, plant it in the ground, water it, cultivate it, nourish it. It grows into a tree. The seed grows into a tree, and not just a tree, but a tree that bears hundreds and thousands of apples. And those apples, their seeds fall into the ground, and they are cultivated and nourished, and they produce more trees and more apples. And, and you know how this goes. It's been going on since Eden. A little seed. Amazing fruit. What's inside the seed? To borrow from C.S. Lewis, what's inside the seed is bigger than the seed itself. God's Word is a living seed that's been planted in our hearts. Children, it's been planted in your heart. And if you water it, adults, if you water it and nourish it, it'll grow up into a tree and it will bear much fruit. And Paul says, that's what I pray for. I pray that you will be bearing fruit in every good work. That is to say, anything that you can think of to do that will do good or be good or be just or be fair or be beautiful or be wonderful to enhance and beautify your world and enhance and help and serve others. Paul says, I want you to be bearing fruit in every good work. That's the first ING word. The second ING word is that he wants us to be increasing in the knowledge of God. This again in verse 10. I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, growing and expanding in your knowledge of who God is. This, my friends, is the ultimate end and the ultimate goal and purpose of our existence. In fact, Jesus said, this is eternal life. John 17 and verse 3. This is eternal life that you know the one true God. This is what it means to be born again and to live forever that we come into a relationship with God in which and through which we get to know who God is and what God has done and our hearts and our minds are filled with wonder and love and worship and adoration and obedience. We know Him and Paul says, I want this to be it going on and ongoing in your life. Be increased in the knowledge of God. And then number three, 
A life worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to Him is one that is being strengthened with all power. Verse 11. He says, I've been praying for you and I keep praying for you that you'll be pleasing to the Lord, being strengthened. Verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. One of my early mistakes in planning this series of messages is that I didn't schedule this for a separate sermon. This one verse is worth a whole sermon on its own. We notice the measure of this strength. It is all power. We notice the source of this strength. It is His glorious might. And we notice the effects of this strength. All endurance and all patience with joy. Dear ones here today, we need day in, day out to be being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. We are all experiencing in our lives in one form or another, to one degree or another, fatigue and tiredness and and just a sense of being overwhelmed. Oh, that God, oh, that God would be strengthening our hearts. And not just strengthening our hearts, strengthening our hearts with all power and might. And not just power and might, but His glorious might. So that what? So that we can endure. That we can press on. And we can do it with patience and with what? What's the text say? With joy. Not just grinning and bearing it. Those, those I-N-G words are not in the text. There's no grinning and bearing here. Now there is enduring through the strength that God supplies with all patience and with joy. He wants us to be a joyful people even when we're tired. His strength is infused in us. Like I say, there's a whole sermon here in this verse, and I am restraining myself right now. This this is worth a whole sermon. I encourage you to meditate on it this week and let the Spirit of God press it gently and yet firmly into your heart. The fourth ING word. Paul says that a life that is worthy of the Lord will be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. 
Notice it in the text. I, I want to read the whole text again so that you hear this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. Paul climaxes his summary of his prayer for them by saying that he prays that they would be giving thanks to the Father. That they would be a thankful people. That they would be saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for what you have done in my life. And what has God done in our lives? Verse 12, He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That's what He's done for us. He has qualified us for heaven. Understand what this is saying. If you were to take a poll of a hundred people off the street and you were to ask them, are you going to heaven? What would their likely answer be? Either yes or I sure hope so. And then if you were to ask them, why do you think you're going to heaven? What would their answer be? I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. In other words, I have qualified myself for it. But the Gospel comes to us and says none of us are qualified. All of us are guilty. All of us are sinners. None of us deserves heaven. None of us deserves this inheritance of the saints in light. None of us is worthy. None of us can merit. In fact, all of us disqualify ourselves all the day long. And yet the text says that God has qualified us. How has He qualified us? He has qualified us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the life of Christ and His righteousness, which the Bible says when you believe in Christ, His righteousness gets counted as ours. So that in the sight of God, we are no longer unrighteous. We are righteous in God's sight. Not because we earned it or are qualified for it, but because He qualified us for it. And His death atones for our sins. So the, the hell we deserve has been already experienced, already, already taken on uh, in the person and body and bleeding and dying of our Savior so that we would be qualified. Left to ourselves, we're qualified for hell. But because of Christ, <laughs> He has qualified us for heaven. This is the Gospel. And brothers and sisters, what Paul in effect is saying when he uses an ING word here, this is something that should be going on and ongoing. 
What he is saying is we should never, ever forget the fact that he has qualified us for heaven. And we should be so mindful of it that it produces thanksgiving every day of our lives. Are you a thankful man, woman, child? Well, think about this. God in Christ, if you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, God in Christ has qualified you for heaven the inheritance of the saints. All that God has will become ours. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. When we get to heaven, none of us is going to walk around with, you know, kind of like, Thumbs like this. You know, I got here because I was qualified. We're always, ever and always going to be walking around saying, isn't Jesus wonderful? Thank you, Jesus, for qualifying us. The Apostle Paul gives us, doesn't he, a very rich example of how to be praying. I wonder, what, what's in your prayer life? What's in your prayer life? Is it a long list of, Lord, I want this and I want that and I want something else? Or is it more like this? Is it more like how Paul prays? He prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that they would be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all power and giving thanks to the Father who has qualified them. Um, here is a good prayer for all of us, isn't it? For each other. For each other. In our Wednesday evening, 7.30 midweek, Risen Hope family devotions, we're just praying the Scriptures. We're just taking texts of Scripture and turning them into prayer because we realize that the best kind of prayer is that prayer that flows out of God's Word. It's what informs us. And here's an example. I encourage you, use this as a model, as a template for your prayer. Parents, as you're praying for your children, pray that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. As you're praying for your neighbor, as you're praying for believers that you know that are perhaps struggling, pray that they would be increasing in the knowledge of God and strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And may it be that all of us, all of us, will always be giving thanks to the Father for qualifying us for heaven. One of the best ways to do that is through the communion meal. This simple reminder that the Lord instituted the night He was betrayed is meant to be a thanksgiving reminder. Um, you have, I believe, been given as you entered here 
the communion elements. Uh, and if anyone who is a believer and is following Christ and has been baptized as a believer in Christ and is following Christ and part of a church, uh, if you are here and would like to participate but didn't get the elements, would you please raise your hand? Our ushers want to make sure that everybody has it. Okay, I, I don't see any hands. Paul says, I, I want you to be always giving thanks. In some churches, they refer, they refer to communion as the Eucharist. And that's from a Greek word that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Eucharisto, which means thanksgiving or thankfulness. Uh, and it's referring in 1 Corinthians 10 to the Lord's Supper, that uh, it is a thanksgiving meal. There's nothing magical about it. There's no magical transformation of the bread into body or the fruit of the vine into blood. But there is something profoundly spiritual about this. The Lord Jesus has promised to be with us as we eat of the bread and drink of the cup and in so doing say thank you once again uh, to him. Um, if you are glad that you are qualified for the inheritance of the saints, then this bread and this cup are for you. Jesus took the bread in the middle of the meal, the Last Supper. He took the bread and he blessed it. And may indeed the blessing of God be upon this bread and upon our hearts. He blessed it and he gave it to them and he said, eat this in remembrance of me. This is my body given for you. Brothers and sisters, let us eat together to remember the one who qualified us for heaven. Let's eat together. A little while later, after the end of the meal that Jesus had with his disciples, the scriptures say he, he took a cup and he blessed it. And indeed, may the blessing of God be upon this cup and all that it represents to our hearts. And he gave it to them and he said, this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, drink all of it in remembrance of me. So with grateful heart for such an amazing Savior, let us drink together. Would you stand as I pray this prayer of Paul as a benediction 
over us and upon us from the Lord. May you be filled. May you be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. May you be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And may you ever and always be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And all God's qualified people say, Amen. Amen. God be with you. God give you grace and fullness of joy in this week to come. Amen.